Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete, where we interview badass, high-performing individuals to learn more about their competitive spirit and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. here with Brock Evans. We are in Hallett in Oklahoma for the SCCA race weekend. Uh, met Brock in the paddock walking around and one of his teammates. I just got to interview him. Um, so I want to learn a little bit about you and what you're doing in the racing world right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for asking that. So currently what I've been doing, and th- this has been about a year and a half long project for, uh, for both my dad and I, um, We've been building an electric variant on a Formula Mazda. And so we started with uh, started with a chassis that we got as a spare parts car originally from our, our 2020 racing season. We we ran around with uh, with Moses and Satara up at Formula Mazda and Texas Auto Sports um, in a, a rotary powered. Um, and with our electric car, it was sort of chassis that just sat in our garage and if we needed the chassis we were going to use it if we didn't need it we were going to rebuild it or do something with it we didn't know and so we ended up winning the championship in 2020 which was amazing for us i mean it was our debut season oh wow um, gosh and so we, when you said you won it so which organization is this that you won it in so that was all under secca majors okay um, and so we ran around the texas region came up to hallett that was my first time out here and it's I love this track. I love this track. It's it's a really good time. It's a beautiful area too, with all the trees. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was all through the majors organization and racing with the Formula Mazda family, which is what I've continued doing for the past three years. Um, so the debut, you won the championship. So that was at the runoffs, right? No. So that was not the runoffs. Okay. The the runoffs and the electric Formula Mazda were sort of the crossover for us. It was. Racing for us has always been something that we've had to to watch our budget on. Uh, and so when we found the Formula Mazda, it was it was an amazing deal to start off with. Because uh, it's, it's a Formula car, open-wheel platform, carbureted 13B. It makes 180 horsepower. It's 1,300 pounds. I mean, that entire package is, is like what I was dreaming about as I was growing up. Yeah. Uh, so to get the opportunity to race that, and especially at an accessible entry cost, um, an accessible entry cost and running cost for that matter was was a dream. What is an accessible run? I mean, starting and then running costs. I'm interested for that type of car. So for our season, and this was done. Of course, we had we had the spare parts chassis that we got very lucky to find, um, and that that helped us a lot. It gave us like full gear set another chassis so we had sheer plates suspension arms anything that we really needed uh, second rear wing and front wing and i want to say that we spent just over fifty five thousand dollars on the full scca major season excluding runoffs Uh, and so for for us to go from karting which we were we were probably pretty close to that in karting i mean even for a shifter kart it's really it's it's mind-blowing how expensive it is you would think that something smaller like that it's you know proportional cost it's running a national or regional cart program is is 
almost like running a, a national formula car program. What well, is it? Is it just a straight up cost of the actual go karts, or is it the maintenance, or is it the wear and tear items? I mean, you, you, probably all of it. But I mean, how does all that add up like that? It's a lot of a lot of initial purchase cost, uh, and then definitely wear and tear and maintenance. That's that's where you'll see the biggest. Because uh, I mean, crash damage, of course you've got to replace whatever breaks, right? Mm -hmm. But if you end up running through a cylinder head, back when we were in karting, it was $4,000 for a top end. And that was like a, a pretty decent top end as, as they would rate them. But from, from our experience in karting, I mean, any engine is as good an engine uh, as the next. So talk to me a little bit more about this electric project you're working on. Yeah, so we started this back at the end of 2020. This was sort of our, our deliberation between do we go to runoffs or do we make something out of this new chassis? Um, and we had a mutual friend that was building an electrified Miata at the time, and he was using a Nissan Leaf motor and building his own batteries. And we were like, hmm, I wonder if I could fit that in a formula car. And so I, I got to practice my CAD skills and a lot of design and started building parts for it. We reached out to Electric GT in, uh, in California, and they were extremely helpful in getting us set up with battery packs and a few of the high voltage components, like mainly safety components. Because what we built this car for is almost like a series trainer car for Formula E. Uh, and more realistically, keeping it around the SCCA and bringing the SCCA and our member program into the future of racing. Whether, whether we like it or not, electric will become the future, but the one thing that I've learned from the past year and a half, the torque that you get from that motor is, is incredible. It's just a completely different feeling. I mean, we're zero to 100 miles an hour, we have no clutch, we don't shift, and it just holds you in your seat the whole time. It's a, it's a constant pull all the way up. Do you think it makes it uh, more difficult to drive? It definitely makes it different. Uh, it's, that's a really good question. Uh, cause of course with, with like an internal combustion engine, we've got engine braking available to us. Uh, the electric motor, not as much, not as much. And especially with playing around in regen testing, the one thing that I want to make sure to keep out of the car is unpredictability. And so for the time being, I'm running it with no regen, although you can still lift off the throttle and have that car start decelerating to set weight on the nose. So there are there are transitions and crossovers between traditional ICE cars and EV cars, um, but it it is different. And as silent as the market likes to say it is, that motor makes a pitch, and you can you can hear it. It almost sounds like a jet turbine, except you can play a C major scale if you step it up <laughs> on the computer. <laughs> so, so is is the car like ready to go? I mean, are you still working on it? And is it raceable now? And so we competed in the SCCA Solo Nationals in, I believe, September of last year. It may have been before that, um, but that car performed really well. <laughs> I. That was the first event that I had ever run alone. Like you, typically, it was my dad and I at all of the events. Uh, but last year, he had a a little bout with cancer uh, and has 
fully recovered. Nice. Very good. Moved out to Jacksonville. I moved up to Dallas. Things started to change, and then it was like, oh, I've got to go race this thing. So I drove the car up to Lincoln, Nebraska, and when I was pulling in, we were in a group called A-Modified, which is like, in the Solo Nationals world, it is like top tier. It's an unlimited class build. They look like formula cars, and what most of the competitors look like are Pikes Peak builds. Yeah. Uh, and so I remember rolling in and I'm showing up like, okay, you know, I'm in, I'm in a modified. That's pretty cool. Like, I don't know what these things look yet or look like yet. So I'm, I'm still just in the moment kind of processing and I see a car going around the test and tune track and it's absolutely flat out, massive wings, huge power, giant tires. And I'm like, oh, that thing is cool. So I go to registration and the driver of that car happened to be behind me and i put two and two together and i went oh oh okay so i'm 1600 pounds and i have 100 horsepower that car was 900 pounds and has 400 horsepower and the arrow is the size of a park bench this is going to be interesting but with the electric motor the the one thing that that car was able to do really well was set its weight down and maintain grip even at lower speed uh, having the batteries and the electric yeah, motor so in there, low. it's it's dropped that center of weight, uh, and so it's it actually ended up performing really well. We got twelfth out of twenty two people, uh, and so this this upcoming solo nationals, we're going to put the second generation inverter and uh, motor package in there, okay, which will double our torque and horsepower. Oh well, that's going to uh, help. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was the one thing that we noticed, like. The only place that we really could have improved that car, for autocross at least, was the launch capability um, and the ability to actually spin the tires. Now, is that is that the only race that it's raceable in, or are there other, is there another series already, or you guys are hoping to develop something with the SCCA, right? Yeah, so we are definitely going down the route of developing our own class with the SCCA. Um, once I get this thing, or once I get the electric to the point that it's reliable, drivable, right now I've got it doing 30 minute test sessions. So that's, that's a step in the right direction. Although there are a few things that I want to change and refine and play with just like any other engineering project. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but once we get it to that point, then I'd like to pursue a, a full majors road racing class out here. Um, so just like FX is doing right now, be able to take those cars and as, Formula Mazda has just phased in the new FMZR. Yeah, I was he was telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah, so that that car has now come out. It's a really fun car to drive. Um, but now we're going to start seeing more old chassis show up and one of these cars, if you pick up the car, you can sell the motor, you can sell the transmission and then you put the electric drivetrain in it and uh, you're you're basically rolling from there. And so I'm I'm working on that package. So um, let's say you, you, you master the package, like how many of these cars need to exist before it's a viable option to have a class? I mean, I think, I think realistically, I'd like to have 20 of them in a field. Yeah. Uh, I grew up watching Formula One and IndyCar and American Le Mans. And so Le Mans being the one exception of like larger field, a little bit of a spread on classes, but 20 to 24 cars was what I always saw. And so shooting for that 20, that would be awesome. Do you anticipate being like the entity that manufactures most of these for people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's, so that's awesome. 
I've I've had a lot of help from um, from those around me, whether it be the guys building the Electrified Miata or my dad, Moses and Satara, both at Formula Mazda, uh, getting me like in the right place so that I can learn the correct business and manufacturing procedures to really get this going. Uh, and then just working on developing those skills further until until I'm able to do that. That's awesome. So when do you, if you had to take a guess, when do you think it'll be ready and, and you'll have an opportunity to, we'll have, we'll have SCCA electrified? So that, I think one of the things that I'm struggling with now is where technology and infrastructure are at. So as we're going forwards, and of course, time is both our best friend and our enemy in this case, it's, we're at a point right now where battery technology is starting to improve rapidly. And we're starting to see new chemistry, new variations on cells, and different temperature ranges, current discharge and charge rates. I think, I mean, in a perfect world, I would like to see at the start of next year. Oh, wow. To have at least that car finished up, sealed, ready to start building more of them. Okay. Um, if I can make that work, that would be that would be amazing for me. So let's say it gets it gets done, you seal it up. Let's just compare that car to the to the ice ones, right? Yeah. Which one's more reliable? You know, that's a that's a really tough question. Those those Formula Mazdas are stout. Uh, we have we have a customer at Formula Mazda that still has his original motor in the car. It's or sorry, original engine in the car. It's never been rebuilt. Uh, so 25 years on that motor and it, it just runs and the rest of the car they were designed back in the day when if there was a question on was it strong enough you just made it stronger so they run really well and that sort of works to our benefit because it allows us to then take that platform mm -hmm. and build it into the electric i think the the one difference that we may see and especially within the next five to ten years is the availability of parts for the two of them uh, being a carbureted 13B and a rotary in that matter, Mazda has started to phase that out. Although Mazda Motorsports is very good about keeping up with um, keeping up with at least as many parts as they can for those cars. Uh, but I think as we move towards electric, we'll start to see less and less internal combustion parts being available and more EV stuff coming out. In the same respect, the the Hewlin Mark IX, the transaxle that we use in uh, in the ICE car, great transaxle. It's a really nice five-speed. It does the job, and it, it's very reliable for what we use it for. Uh, although it was originally built 30 years ago, yeah. So it's it's also having that same issue of things are are starting to be phased out, and parts are just starting to disappear. Yeah. So it's just impossible unless you. You got something to replace it yeah um man that's so cool about the electric so what else what else you're doing because i know you're, you're helping coach people and everything else what are you doing this weekend so this weekend this is my first weekend back with the secca since 2020. okay um, i took the past two years off and worked on my data analysis skills and driver development a few other things starting to put a coaching business in place so i'm out here this weekend mainly to just have fun but I wanted to be back with the FM family. That was a big one for me. Yeah. Getting to race with these guys is, is a really, really good time. Mm. 
Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. What are you driving? So I'm driving the white number 20 Formula Mazda this weekend. Okay. Um, sponsored by Nationwide Auto Services and Early Recognition is Critical. Eric. Awesome. Awesome. Um, do you have any other like sponsors or any other people that um, you'd like to mention? Absolutely. Uh, I, I want to give a huge, huge thank you, first of all, to both of my parents. I mean, the work that they've put in, I was fortunate enough that I got to start racing at three and a half years old. Yeah, I was going to go to that next. Yeah. I want to know how you got started. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and just the, the work that they've put in. Uh, I don't know if I actually have the words to, to thank them properly. Yeah. Um, but as many hugs as I can give them when I see them. Uh, another huge thank you to Moses Smith and Satara Wilson of Formula Mazda for helping me along my driver development path, giving me little tips here and there, and especially teaching me to work on the car. Uh, being here this weekend racing, I'm prepping the car and I'm racing the car. And so it's very different from when I was running with my dad, where he would build and I would drive. And that's how it was for 18 years. But growing up and becoming an adult is a little bit different. <laughs> so it's, it's always a good time to start and getting assistance from them and learning from Moses has been, has been an experience of a lifetime for me. Awesome. How old are you? I'm 22 years old. All right, man. And so tell me about this three and a half year old. That's how you started? What did you do when you were three and a half years old? So my dad and I used to watch Three Stooges on the weekend. And this is this is the whole kicker, right? I used to watch Three Stooges. And my mom, very intelligent woman, talked to my dad and be like, hey, he's going to try that. He's two and a half years old. He doesn't understand that like them getting hit over the head with a wrench is all comedy and it's fake. My dad was like, no, no, it'll be fine. So long story short, we're at a cocktail party and I grab a handful of skewers and I tried to poke my dad in the eye. Oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> we found something different to watch very quickly after that. Wow. And uh, we were flipping through the channels one day. I was, I was a very active kid, and so I, I didn't like sitting still. But my dad went past Formula One, and I asked him to go back because I wanted to watch the race cars. And then the way that he tells it is that is the first time that I sat still. It was a two-and-a-half-hour race, and I just <laughs> glued to it. Yeah. Right after that race was over, I turned around, looked at him and said, hey, dad, I want to do that. Yeah. So he found a racing driver in Austin, Texas, Bill Dolahite. Um, you know, that's that's another person that I need to give a huge thank you to. He, Bill Dolahite is where I got my start in motorsports. Uh, I ended up working for him as a, a driving instructor for a little bit about four years ago. But when he first met me, he thought I was going to be about eight or nine years old, and he said that I stepped out of the car, I was about this tall, and he was like, oh, well, that's a young child. <laughs> and so the first time that I ever went around their track, they got an ATV out, tied my go-kart to the back of the ATV with a ratchet strap, and then dragged me around so that I could learn to steer and use the brakes. 
Then they turned it on. And after I did my first lap, I went out, came back in, and I looked straight at Bill and I went, can I go do that again? We spent the whole day there. Wow. And so my dad and I, every other weekend after that for 18 years, we're out at Hill Country Car Club, uh, North Texas Carters in Denton, Dallas Carding Complex, a little bit in Oklahoma, and finally going to Super Nationals in Las Vegas. Uh, that was that was a huge experience for me. That was when I was about 15 years old. I was running uh, S5 Junior Shifter back then, so a 125cc shifter. Crazy vehicle. I mean, zero to 60 in just about three seconds, and they'll top out over 100 if you gear them right. Oh, yeah. Uh, those things, raw and rowdy, I love them. Were you, uh, I mean, how successful? I'm sure you were successful, but how successful were you with the karting? So karting, karting was a struggle once I started getting older because the classes that I was running, I mean, the other kids in them were three years younger than me. They were a head shorter. No. And, I mean, just in general smaller yeah and so i was 35 pounds over class weight with no lead on my cart i chose not to run graphics because it was six pounds extra <laughs> so graphics like, are six pounds yeah 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 the the over the fairing graphics are six pounds holy they're, cow they're pretty heavy vinyl uh they're probably three millimeter thick yeah <laughs> yeah and so we we made executive decision like nope straight black cart we'll go with the orange intrepid frame and run it all the way like that for the whole season but at super nationals we we did really well um we ended up ninth out of 22 people so yeah. with drivers from at, 27 different countries at that con that competition level that's crazy man thank you um so what i was going to ask you with all the different karting and racing and everything else has there been a race that just you'll never forget it's just super memorable for you definitely um, that would have to be MSR Houston at the end of 2020. I mean, that was, we were going into that race just behind the current leader in the majors championship, um, Carl Markey. And my dad and I had both done the math on it and we we're like, okay, if we do everything right, we might be able to get this. Like, maybe, maybe. We weren't completely sure. We checked our math a few times, but we were we were very hopeful. And honestly, we were just going out there to have fun and run the rest of our season. Mm -hmm. So we go out for the race. We end up making it around, I think, I think around halfway through. I end up passing the guy who's in second place. I pass Carl. Uh, and that gives me the lead for the race. When I came across that finish line, I mean, I was... I was sort of in a state of shock because it was like, okay, did we do it? Mm -hmm. We weren't sure. And I go back to the pits with my dad and we, we run the numbers again. And we're like, you know what? We'll get them next year. We're one point short. <laughs> and then about two weeks later, we look at the results and we go, wait a second, run the numbers again. And we realize, oh, we got this by one point. And so we, we, I mean, that, that was just a, a game changing moment for us. Yeah. And that was, that was what ended up setting us up for the, the, uh, SVRA vintage national championships at Coda later that year. Okay. Uh, that was my final race. And that was, that was a really good time, but nothing is ever going to compare to coming across the finish line and then realizing that we did it. Yeah. We we started out in that season as rookies to the whole formula car. 
honestly, auto racing. Um, I had done carts up to two years before that, and then I, I stopped for a little bit to just focus on school, get mm-hmm. through some of that. Um, but coming back into the car, it was like natural. That's awesome. I needed to be back. Any any races that you'd rather forget? Funny enough, the first time we went to MSR Houston. Mm. Um, so this was this was probably five or six months before the end of the championship, and it's not even it's not even that bad of a memory. But I would have liked to learn the lesson in a different way. I was. I was coming around Carousel at MSR Houston, and I had been working on reference points. And so there was this one line of cones. It was the pit out cones. Yeah. It was just inside a carousel. Yep. Spec Miatas had gone out just before us. They moved them three yeah. feet. Yeah. And so I'm coming around the corner, looking at the cone. And as I look up, I realize that curve is now dead center on my car. It is taller than my suspension will drop. And so I go skating across that thing. Car starts rotating. All four tires set back down. And then I'm like, okay, full sideways. Can I save this? Can I save this? Nope, I can't. And I boom right into the wall. Oh, gosh. I yeah. bent my rear wing, and that was about it. Um, really? I, I put a crack in the nose. We were amazed when we brought the car back. I, I remember hitting the wall, and it was just... The feeling that washed over me was yeah. not pleasant. It was yeah. the whole, yep, I really just did that. But we ended up getting the car fixed for the next race after that, and we we went out. I'd say about an hour and a half later, and, and took a took a victory. Oh man, that's awesome! That turned from <laughs> bad to good right there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, let me ask: um, if you were going to tell somebody who's just starting, how should people start into their adventure of motorsport racing? I think as much as you can learn learn so whether that means just getting out to a track day getting out to a race and going and talking to people around the paddock ask them about their cars find out what the different setups are find out what you need to do to work on them then pick something that's at your budget uh, to convey some words from my from my original driver coach bill be the big fish in the little pond not the little fish in the big pond. Mm-hmm. If you show up and, you know, let's say you only have $10,000 to spend and you run a class that's 30, you might do all right, but when you need your spare parts, you can't buy them. Yeah. And so, so going out and choosing like, here's what I can reasonably set as my budget, my price point is critical. Yep. And then just seat time, seat time, seat time, anything you can do. Uh, very rarely do I run on sticker tires unless I'm like at the race weekend, of course. Yeah. I, I just put on a set before qualifying, but everything else that I try and run are scrubs. And yeah. any tires that come back with me from the race end up being practice tires for however long they last. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not always the best to do that because it'll it'll teach you what the car feels like with no grip. But for me, that was very beneficial because what it taught me was Okay, so over this range, if I ever have this feeling in the car, here are the three things that I need to do to mitigate that feeling and then push through it yeah. and, uh, and actually work with the car, adapt to what it's feeling like. Um, so I think in, in, a, in a very odd way, that was a, a big point of development for me. So are you in Dallas area right Yes, now? sir. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, if people wanted your help for something, mm-hmm and and your services 
what are the services that you could offer and how can they get a hold of you? So I offer driver coaching services uh, mainly and the way that they can get in contact with me, I have a, I have a website, it's brockevansmotorsport.com, B-R-O-C-H-E-V-A-N-S, motorsportsingular.com. Okay. Uh, I've got my phone number, my email address on there. Perfect. My email, just as simple, is brock at brockevansmotorsport.com. Okay. Uh, and if you're ever out at MSR Crescent, that's my home track. Yep. Uh, I am there seven days a week. If, oh, okay. If I'm not, I mean, there's there's usually like, I'm out at Hallett or I'm at another race. But yeah. I, I try and put those on my calendar when I can so that people can see that. Is there is there an SCCA race happening at Crescent this year? So it, it actually it already happened. It was back in January. That uh, was the SCCA Polar Prix out there. Okay. I wonder if that conflicts with uh, races they do in Florida. They have a couple races in Florida. I don't know if it's the same time. I want to say that, <laughs> that Super Tour at Sebring yeah. and, um, and the Polar Prix, they were either... They were either opposing weekends or they were the same weekend. Yeah, um, yeah. They were close. Yeah. Well, um, big thanks out to Bill and your parents and um, anybody else you want to... And Moses, I think. Yeah. yeah so, so the big list for me, uh, I'd like to thank Nationwide Auto Services. Uh, Eric, early recognition is critical. Uh, Bill Dolahite, Moses Smith. Tara Wilson, both at Formula Mazda, and obviously my parents. Yeah. I mean, they they have supported me from the time that all I could think was race cars. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't even like there was something else all the way up until now, and helping me out every step along the way. Cool, man. I am I am excited about the the EV stuff. I mean, that that that's I'm really interested in that. That Thank is so you. cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to stay in touch and and see what you're up to so man thank you so much it's been such a pleasure absolutely thank you i want to thank you for listening or watching drive to compete it's been a pleasure sharing this episode and i hope that we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way i absolutely love hearing from you and i promise i'll personally respond to every comment every question and every request if you want to connect start with our website driven to compete.com also, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Whether you reach out or not, please like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, go kick some ass.